recognition of your holiness, Father. Lord, just as we look to your word this morning, Father, help us to, Lord, would you just give us hearts. Lord, let the eyes of our hearts be lifted upward to you, Father. Um, Lord, as we just look at the vision that Isaiah had in Isaiah chapter 6, Father, and just help us to, um, Lord, to understand and, um, Lord, that you would just, Lord, that your spirit would just move among us, Father, that you would just work in our hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, Mercy Hill. Um, it is an honor and a privilege to, to be standing here. Um, something that I don't... Uh, take for granted, and I, it is a, it's a heavy uh, responsibility. Um, if you have been following along in our Bible reading plan, you know that we have been reading Isaiah uh, chapter 6 this week, so if you would care to turn to it, and we will read it and uh, see what God has for us in it. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from the tongues, that he had taken with tongues from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the, make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their hearts, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie in waste, without inhabited, and the houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like the terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is, when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Let's pray again. Father, as we look to your word, Lord, Let's just help us to see um, 
just wonderful things from your word, Lord, for what you have for us. Father, just in this moment, Father, would you give me the words, Lord, to speak? Uh, we thank you so much that you are here. We ask this in Jesus' name. So to understand a little bit of the context of Isaiah as he approaches the temple, as he like begins in this vision, um, Isaiah, if, you, if you've been reading, if you go back and look at uh, Isaiah chapter 1 through chapter 5, uh, he's been like the judgment of God is upon Israel. And in, in some aspects of it, the judgment of God is upon Israel, but in also the uh, king Uzziah, who was the king for, uh, he started his reign when he was 16 years of age, and he reigned for 52 years. And if we read in Chronicles, it says that he was a good king. He did what was right in the sight of, uh, of God. But towards the end of his reign, he went into the temple and he, uh, he wanted to make a sacrifice or he, he wanted to, uh, he entered into the holy place and God struck him with leprosy. So at, in that moment, as, as Isaiah is receiving this vision of God, when he says that King Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died, is saying more like, this is, this is a moment where I, uh, Isaiah is very... Uh, distraught, dis discouraged, because um, it was a time of, of trouble and King Uzziah had died. So Isaiah comes and he's like, where is God in this? Right? God wanted, or Isaiah wanted to know, is God still in, in charge with all the things around him looking like, you know, he was questioning. So Isaiah, if we read in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Where was he? Lord was sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train <clears throat> and the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah sees God where he's always been. He's seated upon the throne. There is nothing. God is immovable from the throne. There is no one or no, nothing. There is no circumstance that moves God away from the throne, right? Like in all circumstances, God is not like us. He is actually completely apart like, like us. We, we, in different circumstances, we move here and there. God does not move from the throne. He's always in charge. And this gives Isaiah, uh, for a brief moment, it gives Isaiah comfort, right? It gives him reassurance that God is still in control, that he is still char in charge, that he is still sovereign, um, you know, I had to think of one of the moments that I still remember 9-11 uh, in, in that moment. I can remember vividly where I was. I don't remember, I have to go back, I don't remember exactly the age I was, but I remember I was in a cabin on, uh, in hunting. Um, but in, in that moment, like, in those types of moments, do we, where do we... Uh, like, in those moments, we're thinking maybe that God, is he still in control, right? But what, we have to be rooted and grounded and knowing we have to seek God and know that he is still on the throne, that he is still in control. And we have to be, uh, and that's, that's where Isaiah was. 
But like I said, in that brief moment, he understood that God was still in control. But then as we read, continue to read, um, it says, High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So the aspect of the train of his robe was his glory, right? His, uh, there's no room. The, whole, the train of his robe, like in the, the context of like in that culture or whatever, the king would have a robe. The longer the robe, the more glorious, the more uh, authority, the more honored the king is, right? Well, the king that is seated upon the throne in heaven, his glory is so majestic that it fills the whole temple. There's no room for any other glory. We cannot, there's no room for, for anybody else to have glory of God. Um, so if we continue to read in verse in verse 2, it says, Above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. So, um, there's a quote here that I wanted to read uh, from Spurgeon that says, Thus they have four wings for adoration, describing, right, the seraphim. Thus they have four wings for adoration and two wings for active energy. Four to conceal themselves and two with which to occupy themselves in service. And we may know, or we may learn from them that we shall serve God best when we are deeply reverent and humbled in His presence. Veneration must be in larger proportion than vigor. Adoration must exceed activity. As Mary at Jesus' feet was preferred to Martha and in her much serving, so must sacred reverence take the first place and energetic service follow in due course. Brothers and sisters, what, what, what are we created for? Are we created just to be busy? If you look around, especially in this time of year, what, what are we created for? We're created to worship, right? We're created to worship. And sometimes I think we, even in the church, we can, we can be so busy doing things, right? Maybe even good things, but if we don't have a right view of God, if we don't have, I mean, we can learn a lot from the seraphim, right? That's what they were created to do, too. If they, they, day in and day night, or day in, like from morning to evening, they do nothing but worship. That's how all our lives should be. In all that we do, it should be worship. It doesn't matter if you're in church this morning, if you're, uh, as you go out, tomorrow, to work, or wherever. All life must be worshipped. We have to have a right view of, of what, what, what we're called to do, right? The seraphim are proclaiming God's glorious nature and character to one another. What a beautiful glimpse into the throne room of heaven. These majestic beings crying aloud the glory of the Lord, 
that the foundations of the threshold shake just in the proclamation of his glory. So Isaiah, in his vision, was standing in, like outside the throne room, and the proclamation of the seraphim were so loud and so glorious that it shook the temple, or it shook the foundations of the, of the temple. Um, when I had to think, when we're singing here this morning, what, how do we sing? Do we sing and proclaim God's name like, we, like, we, like the seraphim? If we're created to worship, are we worshiping or are our minds somewhere else? We cannot live on mission without first experiencing the holiness of God. And then we get to verse 5. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King of hosts. In that moment, Isaiah recognized that, that he, he was a sinful man. In the presence of God's holiness, all of us, um, all of us should have a better, as we grow towards holiness, because we are called to be holy, right? Jesus said, be holy as I am holy. Um, if we're called to be a holy people, if we, as we grow in our holiness, um, it should just further, uh, like further magnify our sinfulness, right? Isaiah's response is not much different than some others who had similar experience. Um, as we read in Scripture, I'm just going to read a few of these. If, if uh, we read in Job 42.5, Job said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, and therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Luke 5.8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And in John uh, in Revelations 1.17 it says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. Isaiah's response is, is first reassuring, knowing that God is still seated upon the throne in, in like Isaiah's circumstance, right? But at the same time, as he sees the seraphim declaring his glory and he, he's in the presence of God's holiness, he is convicted of his, of his uh, like overwhelming holiness of God convicts you of your sin. And to say Isaiah, in, like as we would view Isaiah, or even... Um, you know, as we approach God, we might think that, well, we have it all together. Like, our walk is, we're walking well, right? But Isaiah here, I mean, he was proclaiming God's 
judgment upon Israel even before he has this vision. And yet, when he comes into the presence of God's holiness, what does he do? He says, woe is me, for I am lost. Like He recognizes that in, he is not comparing himself to other people. He's comparing himself to the holiness of God and even unto the, like the seraphim that he has no, no hope. But there is hope. As we continue to read, it said, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar and touched my mouth and said, Behold, this is... This has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. The, uh, the picture there, here that we have is God's merciful forgiveness of sin, right? His holiness cannot be, it cannot be, um, God's holiness cannot be with sin, right? We have to, we have to confess our sin, and in God's mercy, His, sovereign, His sovereignty shows that He is the one that gives us that uh, forgiveness of sin, and He removes the sin from us. Um, God prepared Isaiah by cleansing his lips. The very sin that he confessed sent, God sent one of his seraphim to touch his lips to, to purify it because this is exactly what the prophet needed, right? In order to be a prophet, obviously you have to be able to, to speak, right? Now if you think about the, if you think about the, like the, take a burning coal, and you think about the pain of someone putting a burning coal on your lips. I don't think that that would feel too, too wonderful. But the purification, like, I think the, the holiness of God was actually more terrifying and, uh, like, for Isaiah in that, in that vision than it was to have that purification be placed upon his lips and that pain that came with it, because obviously it was, it was definitely painful. Um, behold, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The very thing that we need, right? We need our guilt taken away and our sin atoned for. All we need to do is confess our sins and God in His mercy will forgive us and cleanse us. And Isaiah, after I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then, I, then Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, to, go and say this to the people. So, so as Isaiah's, what is his response? After he sees the holiness of God, he experiences the holiness of God, and he's lost, right? He, he, he sees his sinfulness, but then his sinfulness is taken away, and God cleanses him. And what is his response? It's the same response that we should have when our sins are forgiven. 
And I think the Lord, like the voice of the Lord in Isaiah's vision saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I don't think it was just, I don't think that's just in this vision. I think God is saying that continuously. He's looking for willing volunteers, right, to go on the mission field. What is the mission field? It's as soon as you step outside the door. You don't have to go, we don't have to go very far. We can go right across the road. We can go right outside the door, right? God is looking for willing people who because of what he has done for us in his mercy, he's looking for people that are willing to respond, right? He's looking for, he wants us to respond because of the thankfulness in our heart of what he has done for us. We're not, um, we're not robots, right? God doesn't, in his sovereignty, God still, like he's, he's in charge of creation, but it, he, he wants us to respond in thankfulness. And in that, he, he wants to send us out and be, uh, proclaim um, salvation unto people, right? He wants to use us. But here in Isaiah, he says, Go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart, make the heart of this people dull and the ears heavy and blind their hearts, lest they see, their, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and, and turn and be healed. Now this message is kind of, it's a little bit confusing, but it's not, a, it's not an easy message. Actually, this passage is, even Jesus has, uh, even Jesus talks about this passage. Like Israel's, there was judgment upon Israel, and the very thing that Isaiah was supposed to do was go and preach. He wanted, right, what is his, his response? Um, he had just been forgiven of his sins. He wanted to go share this with people. But what, is, what does God tell him? No, you're going to continue to, to preach judgment upon them. They will, they will keep on hearing, but they will not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Actually, I think in, in uh, Jesus himself said, uh, in John chapter 12, when Jesus had said these things, speaking in parables, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid, him, hid himself from them. Though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us and to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, for again Isaiah had said, He has blinded their hearts and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue." For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Is that true for us today? 
Do we care more about what our fellow man says? Are we, are we bold in proclaiming the gospel to other people in our, in our life? If our whole life is to worship, if we're, if we're to live on mission, are we bold or are we worried about when we go outside of these doors? Are we worried about what our, if our uh, neighbor thinks we're too spiritual, if we're, too, if we're weird, right? We are, we are to live on mission at all times. We are to be living a life that is different. And then he said, How long, O Lord? How long must he, must he uh, preach this message of judgment? And God replied, And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, and then a tenth remain in it, and it will be burned again like the terebinth and the oak whose stump remains when it is felled. So God says not only, not only does he, is he supposed to continue to, to preach judgment, but also... God has a remaining tenth that he keeps, right? But then it will be burned again. God's judgment, if it's, uh, if we look around and what is going on in our world today, I think we can understand that God's judgment is upon us. But yet, even in the church, right, there's, there's a, remaining, there's a remaining people that he, has, that he has kept for himself. Those that he has chosen sovereignly that he keeps for himself. That is our hope. Um, Jesus is our hope. The holy seed is its stump. That remnant is our hope. That only, um, that God in his sovereignty keeps us, Right? So we must seek him and pray that um, as we go out that we're able to do this. That we're able to live on mission and that we, that we should be able to, to speak boldly the gospel to others. And not care what man thinks, but be bold in speaking what Jesus wants us to, to share with those around us. Worship team, you can come up. Are we living on mission of what God has for us? Or do we only come to church on Sunday? How, how do we expect God to be doing something if we're only coming here and, and worshiping one hour of our weeks? Of, of each of us, uh, as we go out... Um, Throughout the week, we need to be worshiping at all times, right? Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we pray, um, Lord, just for your, Lord, that you are sovereign over everything. Lord, we pray that you 
um, Lord, in your sovereignty, Lord, that you know, you know the end already, Lord, and, and you know our walk. And I pray, Lord, as we continue to seek you, Lord, that you would just be continuing to work in your people. Father, there is no other hope but you. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, give us the boldness, Lord, just to speak um, to those around us, Lord, to, to build relationships. And Lord, that we would just be able to, yeah, just to speak boldly your message um, of salvation. And we thank you so much for, um, Lord, just for Mercy Hill. And we pray that you would just continue to, to work powerfully in and among us. We ask this all in Jesus' name.